0: I'm Jane Travis, and welcome to the Grow Your Private Practice show. It's great to have you here. Hi, and welcome back. And if you're new here, welcome aboard. I'm really pleased that you found us. Now, I really love recording my podcast, and I'm usually quite a motivated person. I really love what I do. Maybe you're the same. I know when I was a counsellor, I just adored being a counsellor. But despite loving my job, there are times when I really doubt myself. So my confidence can kind of go down the toilet and I hit a brick wall. And there have been times that that low mood could really stop me in my tracks. Um, and at times like that, yeah, it just, it just means I stop doing all the things that I know are going to help me. So I might not write my blog posts when I used to do blogging. I might do the absolute minimum on social media because when I'm feeling like that, I kind of don't believe that I can add any value. I can't believe that anybody would follow me. I just don't think I'm good enough. I don't know if you've ever been there, but if you have, you'll know that this is a really rotten place to be. So it's really important to do something to alter that frame of mind. And I've got something for you. I've been working on it for ages and it's called the refresh five-day challenge. Now, the Refresh five-day challenge is going to take you from feeling overwhelmed and exhausted and burnt out to feeling motivated and inspired and confident, ready to focus on the second year of of 2021. Yes, we're nearly halfway through the year, which is a bit of a shocker. (laughs) So if you would like to reconnect with the passion that drove you to be a counselor in the first place, or if you'd like to understand the true benefits of having more clients and what that extra income will bring to your life, or if you want to take control and really focus on what you want from your practice, or maybe you need to tackle imposter syndrome head on so that you can stop it from holding you back, then this is going to be perfect for you. Now it starts on the 21st of June and I'd just love for you to come and join me. It's called a challenge, but I don't like the fact that I've called it a challenge because a challenge makes it sound like, you know, you go around the Antarctic or something. It's something that's kind of fun. It's going to give you confidence, a bit of a confidence, a bit of a boost and I think you're going to actually like it. So it starts on the 21st of June and I'd really love for you to come and join me. So all you have to do is go to uh, jametravis.co.uk slash refresh and just sign up there and I'll send you all the details of what to do from there. So please come along and join us. Like I say, I think that you're going to enjoy it. Now, I just love having guests on the podcast. I get the chance to chat with some amazing people and learn a bit more about, you know, the thing that they're really knowledgeable about. And this is no exception. So if you're the sort of person where even just the thought of having your photo taken makes you want to cry, this is the episode for you. Because today I've got the fabulous Laura Pearman here talking with me. So Laura is a photographer and she's a brand strategist and today we're going to talk about starting your business on a budget. That's how I started and I know a lot of people are the same. Not everybody's got lots of money behind them. So she also talks about how even if you do have a lot of money behind you, you probably shouldn't spend a lot on your brand when you're first getting started. So this could save you some money. Now, I know that often directories are a big part of a counselor's marketing strategy and Laura shares some amazing tips for photos that you can use on your, on your directory to stand out from the millions of other counsellors on there. And she also shares some really simple and effective ideas for taking photographs for Instagram, which are both personal but don't necessarily have to show your face. So if you're anything like me, that's good news. And she even has a special offer for listeners, so if you want some top-class branding strategy help, I'll share the details below this recording. I think that you're going to enjoy this one. Laura, it's absolutely brilliant to have you here. I can't tell you, I've known of you for so long, and having a chat with you now is fantastic because you're so knowledgeable in what you do. But the thing I want to start about first is you have this fantastic pin-up style which just makes you stand out from the crowd. You have a fantastic website. You've got your YouTube channel, which is called Moi, (laughs) which is is fantastic. You have this fantastic, like, 1940s pinup style. How did you get – how did you sort of come to that?
1: Uh, Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me on the show. Um, I'm really pleased that we've finally got some time in together to make this happen. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really um, happy to be on the show today. And yeah, I suppose I always describe myself as an old soul. So I remember there's a there's a common tale. You know how you have these family tales in your family. There's a tale where when I was like a little two year old girl, I used to just feel like totally fine, balling up to somebody like an old lady at the bus stop or something, or like an old man, and be like you're right, darling, how's things going with you? And I've always been attracted to talking and spending a lot of time with people who are a lot older than me. I don't know why. I think maybe maybe it's a past life thing, who knows? But yeah, I have a fascination with the... So I I, I like to describe my creative quest, if I was going to describe like a legacy sort of quest as a creative. I'm obsessed with modern day feminism And you would think being like a 1940s or 50s glamour plus pinup is incongruent to that or almost the opposite of that. But I like the idea of smashing those two very different ideals together. So every most things that I do, like if you looked at any of my creative, um, like my fine art photography, it's all about opposites. I'm also a Gemini. My date of birth divides exactly by two. I have this thing with duality. It's like an obsession with me. So I like, even though I am a feminist, having this idea of like a trussed up, long lashes, coiffed hair girl in a dress, it's like smashing those things together. That's why I'm into
0: it, I think. It's, the, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you can think that is, you know, is feminism, is, is, is being female about being demure? Because I see feminism and female strength as being exactly that strong, being happy with who you are, being feminine, sexy, womanly. And that's what that look is, isn't it? It's basically saying, hey, look at me. How fantastic is this? Yeah, I think, yeah, when you get into the nitty gritty of
1: it, you know, there's this idea that, that, you know, like the 90s was when I was coming of age. So there was that whole ladette culture where women were behaving like lads and it was cool to go out and get drunk and be a bit blokey. And that's not really the ultimate quest of feminism. I mm. think, if especially as a woman in business, you should embrace the fact that you look very different to your male counterparts. And the fact that you have womanly wiles, and you might argue that that comes mainly from sexuality, that's a cool thing. Men use their qualities. So you shouldn't dismiss that and say, oh, it's unprofessional to look like a feminine, sexy, beautiful woman. If you want to use that, it's your choice, but you should use that To benefit your business. So there's that. There's the whole idea as well of um, like Marilyn Monroe. She didn't speak in that baby voice. Like that wasn't her real voice. But she knew that if she did that, Mm. she would get so much further. And, you know, in that time, that was light years beyond where we were as conscious females now. Mm. And I think that there's a lot about permission and embracing. Who you want to be as a woman. That's still a difficult quest right now. So yeah, there's the idea of feminism, and I really do identify as an old soul. And I love anything like old Hollywood musicals and, you know, films about World War Two where the women are gorgeous even though they're in these terrible situations. I love that entertainment factor around mm. it. And, you know, in my life as well, like, I love being at home i love gardening i love recipes i love like getting the stains out of like i I really am like a 50s housewife we are not like that in our relationship in the household but there are so many parts of that that i truly do love so yeah that's uh, it's a very complicated answer but that is hell <laughs> or in
0: a whole bowl of nutshells why <laughs> <laughs> but I just see feminism as being power take in reclaiming power in whatever way we want to that's the way I see it yeah Yeah. a choice of power and embracing power yeah I think that's a good way to sum it up yeah absolutely now then we're going to talk today a little bit about I mean obviously you are all about your fantastic photographer very interesting photos I know you did Andrew and Pete's stuff and he did like like they were like on the top of like the top of a oh yes how yes, are sure, really yeah. really interesting stuff so very not your average photographer really although you you know, have, you know beautiful photographs but you, you can be quite quirky as well which is fantastic
1: I love that you've just <laughs> described it like that thank you
0: <laughs> so a, so a photographer and somebody who knows you know you work with branding and brand identities and all of that so but what we're going to do is we're going to have a look at um kind of bootstrapping because we don't go from starting a business to going and having a fantastic photo shoot at the top of a tower yes. like Andrew and Pete did there are steps to take before we get there and yes, i know that we both are mm, and i know we've both got a bit of a bit of experience of almost being kind of persuaded to do something that doesn't feel right. Is that how you put it?
1: (laughs) You mean, so I I tell a story. We can put a link to an episode actually on my YouTube show, but I talk about when you're starting out as a, a new brand or you're starting out as a new business. So for the listeners, if you're starting up your own practice, you absolutely should not spend big on all of the components of your brand. And I tell a story in that episode about where I was. So I have a marketing and PR background and then got into photography in um, like my mid-20s, went off and did a photography degree. And then I spent a good couple of years working in different studios. And after I'd had a nightmare experience at one studio, I thought, right, it's time, I'm gonna do my own thing. So I went into things with this idealistic idea of, all of the marketing stuff I'd learned at university and all of the photography stuff and what makes a great brand. And I was a fool when I think about it now. I went to this big, swanky, creative agency here in Newcastle, you know, gorgeous offices on the quayside. And I went in there, this young girl, not sure about what I was doing. I was like, yeah, you just need to create me a brand and you need to create me a website. And this is how it's all going to flow together based on all of the Venn diagrams I'd learned at uni. And then when they showed me the price, I (laughs) quietly (laughs) cried inside thinking, well, that's like a good chunk of what I was hoping to turn over this year. (laughs) Oh, God, like quickly finished my frothy cappuccino and got the hell out of there. and then figured it out. Right. I need to just bootstrap this. And I've bootstrapped it all the way through from when I had a portraiture studio. So way back when I started, I was a jack of all trades photographer. I'd shoot anything pretty much for in exchange for money. I had a bricks and mortar studio. And then I went into a niche and I rebranded as Laura Pearman Photography. And I started honing in specifically on this brand photography. So that was about, let me see, about three or four years of working hard in business, cobbling things together, before I had truly figured out what my niche direction was and then I was in a position as well financially to actually invest, but I was able, and this is the bit that everyone misses out, I was able to correctly debrief the creatives that I worked with to make me a logo, figure out what my fonts were, figure out what my colors were, determine my the aesthetic of my photography, and on and on and on it goes. So I would say if you're listening to the podcast now and you're still under three years of trading and you're you know, you need to try a few things out before you pick a specialism. Absolutely do not invest in someone like me. And for God's sake, don't go to a big creative agency because you'll choke on your frothy cappuccino.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's so true though, isn't it? Because I think we, I think there's an assumption that if we go to one of those places, they will know, but we kind of forget that we know more than we give ourselves credit for. So obviously, you know, I'm, an ex-counselor I work with counsellors so there are very few people out there who really know what we do and know the limits around what we do so we have limits around things like confidentiality and we've got ethics and all sorts of things we've got to really course, take into yeah. account so very often people say right well you can have a load of testimonials and it's like well no. some, some counsellors can and some counsellors do very successfully have testimonials but there are others where that's against what against their their code of ethics yeah and you know I've seen people kind of get railroaded to have like a website a certain way and that doesn't quite fit with what they need as a counsellor but because you're new as a counsellor and you're new to business it's like oh they know what they're talking about and if you're not careful you can kind of get get taken along with that can't you
1: yeah I think when you have this a wonderful like this is a medical backbone so I would say there's similar issues like if you were a say so you're an aesthetic dentist, you've spent such a long time learning how to do what it is you do, like a chiropractor, same same sort of area in terms of branding that is. When you're a counsellor, you've invested so much time into studying and getting your qualifications and then practicing and getting the correct experience so that you can practice in a professional, a professional capacity. But none of that includes marketing, branding, running a business. So all of those things, what often happens, and it's usually to the most talented and skilled professionals, especially in the photography industry, actually, they're usually the ones who flounder the most at the business and the marketing and the stuff that actually gets people coming through the door and getting your books to be nice and healthy and busy. Mm. So I think it's very easy when you are in that position to think with an analytical brain, Right. What does everyone else do? Okay, I'll just do something like that. That seems like the easiest, the most well-trodden path, the easiest path to success. But that is always the worst one because you're just going to blend into the crowd and no one's going to remember who you are and no one's going to understand why they should book you versus a counterpart that's in a similar region Mm -hmm. at a similar price. So the thing with marketing is you have to, like you say, you have to do the strategy work to figure out what is it that makes you different and why is that important? And is that even important? Do you need to find another way that you're different? And then you have the right um, debriefing information to be able to get a website designer or a, a creative person like a brand photographer or a graphic designer and you can give them the correct briefing so they're not kind of winging it. So what will happen if you don't have that information and you ring one of these people is they're gonna want to help you, but they're gonna want to help you without doing the additional piece of work that you haven't done. That's your responsibility as a business owner. And if you haven't got that, I can't tell you how many photo shoots I've been in this situation where the business owner is like, yeah, but I need these photos. My website's going live next month. I need these photos. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Yeah, but can you just take a beat and work with me here and we can figure out the strategy behind this? And they don't have the time. They haven't planned the time to do that or they haven't got the experience to inform me correctly. So you're, as a creative, you're filling in the gaps and you're making assumptions based on what you know about the industry and the generalist research that's available to you. So it's no surprise when you're looking at the end of spending thousands of pounds with each different creative supplier, and they don't have the same Bible that they're working from, that your branding doesn't work for you. Mm. So it's something that I don't know why nobody really speaks about it. I feel like I'm shouting about it all the time on my little YouTube show. But especially. For somebody who spent all that time training and learning the art of their specific profession, it's so tragic when you see that happening on the branding side, and then you find out, oh, the business has folded. Like it's it's awful.
0: It is. It is. But it happens so often. Yeah. And something something I did, I can remember the first time I got. I mean, I got a website made like quite early on. I got a particular website that was like um. And like an off-the-shelf agency type thing. And then I got another one, and I didn't know really what I wanted. So I was a nightmare client. I was a nightmare client because it was like, you know, change that color ever so slightly. I'm not yeah. really sure about it. And I was an absolute nightmare client when it all came down to it. And that doesn't really give them a chance, does it, to really do what yeah. they're good at.
1: That's, so, yeah, it's like I, I think if you looked at this from, like, a psychology point of view, which will probably benefit the listeners, a creative brain works best when there is a framework or a boundary to work in. So, you know, we like to be rebellious as creative minds and we like to push up against the boundaries. If we, if you don't give us any boundaries, we're just like peeing into the wind, so to speak. <laughs> so we're just kind of like coming up with random suggestions because you haven't given us a strict pen for us to push against. So you're really doing yourself a disservice and you're diminishing the value of your investment by not being prepared like that.
0: Mm. So it's not enough to just go to a company and say right make me a website make me a logo you've got to have done a bit of work beforehand.
1: Yeah you really yeah. need to know who you are and in yeah. order to know who you really are you need to just wing it and bootstrap it for yeah. a good couple of years and I always say it's good to have a few nightmare clients. So, I, you know, set up a business, be open to as many people as you can. You could literally have like a Times New Roman one with a dot and make that your logo for the first three years. It really doesn't matter. Try and serve lots of different types of people and figure out, right, who did I give the most value to or who did I personally for my career find was the best sort of client? And you only learn that from the experience. Mm-hmm. Then when you've got the money behind you and you know who you want to speak to directly, then you can start looking at working yeah. out what is the strategy behind my brand. And then after that, who is the right creative for me and who can do the best job for me? And then this is then fully debriefed and everything goes like a beautiful, um, like I often liken this to an orchestra. You don't want all your different creatives playing out of tune on their each their individual instruments. You need to conduct that or you need to get somebody else to conduct that so it sounds like a beautiful symphony. Mm, yeah,
0: everybody works to their strengths, yeah. yeah. I mean, I only got my new brand in, what, about two years ago, a bit, a bit less than that. And until then, everything I'd done was bootstrapped. I made my yeah. own logo, I chose my own fonts. I made my own websites. And now i would really worked out because I've been in business now for four years. I did a podcast about this a while ago. I'll link it below if anybody's interested. And I I did a thing about four years. I've learned in four years of practice.
1: Yeah.
0: And one of the things was that I've tried so many different things. So I went down the coaching route. I went and learned about programs. I learned about courses. Finally, I settled onto the website, uh, sorry, the membership site. Yeah. And it was only after I'd had the membership site for about, well, quite a long time. I say a long time. It wasn't that long, but, that I thought, right, I'm going to rebrand and have it how I want it to. But at that point I knew not exactly what I wanted, but I knew my business. I, because I work with counselors, very serious business, very serious things that you hear, you know, we need a bit of fun. So my brand is quite quirky. So I've got like my, my, I've got we call him sprout which is like a little seedling it's my nichey oh, thing cute. and i've got a, a series of those and that's really kind of quite quite fun and quirky which goes with my brand along with my colours i couldn't have done that at the start there's no way yeah there's no way that i would have done that you know so it's it is better to just try and try things out learn and grow and every time you learn and grow make a bit more money and then you can invest in that money at some point into doing something that then is the thing that you really want it to be 100% Jane yeah you're absolutely right and you know don't
1: you from experience like you say you would never have come up with that concept and probably that concept wouldn't have fit what you were trying to do four years ago because it just it hadn't even been thought of yet or tested yeah
0: and then I would have wanted to change it yeah, so that could, would have been
1: Well, this is yeah. a this is always a good um red flag when I work with people if they don't understand why. That's my responsibility. I should explain to them why this particular color is the right color, for instance. But when you're working with people and they want to constantly change, 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 it's it comes from confidence. It's they don't they don't understand the why. So that's a a great sign. But we as creatives, any creative will tell you they've had the client experience where it's like, oh, can you just change this? And let's do a little tiny niggle on that. And Mm. it gets to the point where it's just like, yeah, it it doesn't really make any sense anymore. But that's your responsibility, like I say, as the creative professional to explain and educate your client as to why that shade of red is better than this shade of red. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, you can get so caught up in it. I know I've spent hours thinking, do I want this shade of orange or this shade of orange? And <laughs> yeah. that's procrasti-branding though, that is, yeah. that is complicated. Yeah, that's a lovely term, <laughs> I like that, procrasti-branding. <laughs> oh, I wish it was my own, I wish it was my own.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, you you say in, you say in your uh, video, it's, called minimum viable product isn't it is it that's MVP? right yeah mvp yeah and that's kind of what i did it's like it was um i started my membership just with a couple of courses but plans for what i wanted to do and i've done that with all of my businesses and that's kind of what you mean isn't it just yeah get not- get a rough a rough idea together Focus,
1: it's really hard when you're starting a business. And I know that if I went back nine years and spoke to the Laura who was setting up a business and I gave her this advice, she'd tell me where to go because she thought she knew it all. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say focus on where you're getting your sales from. Like set an actual figure, in the, like draw it in the sand. This is the amount of money I want to turn over this year. What needs to happen for me to survive year one, and get near to this figure. And then dust yourself off at the end of that. year. right, what needs to happen to get to this figure? Or do I just wanna try and get the same figure again? Do I wanna break even? Those things really, really help. And it's so easy to get swept up in the excitement of being free in your own business and start trying to become everything. So for me, that's like numbers. I am terrified. I I don't know if I have dyspraxia or what, but numbers are not my strong point. So I was getting swept up in like how you do the far end of a fart on a tax return. Like that is not my wheelhouse. But I thought if I spent two days figuring that out, I'd won because I'd save some money. Well, no, I could have spent those two days doing photo shoots and making money so that's those are the lessons I think you need to yeah. go through but it's very much the case with creative stuff like if you're not a creative person don't try and now become a graphic designer and think oh it's okay I'll just learn how to do illustrator or photoshop like no don't do that you should yeah. be doing what you can do to make money and then
0: do the delegation of that later on yeah absolutely I'm exactly the same. I I cry at figures. Honestly, I oh, do the
1: same. That's oh. interesting. Yeah, it freaks me I out. Like, I still, if I mean, not that we pay by cash anymore, especially since the pandemic. But I still feel like a little seven-year-old girl if I go to the shop with cash because I freak out that like, I don't know what change I'm supposed to get. I mean, it, and now I'm like, yeah, can I just pay by card? Like I'll happily go and pay for something like under a pound with my card if I can and I know that everything's fine because I still have that panic
0: of
1: yeah. <laughs> I don't know.
0: Well, no, no but I mean your, your strength is your creativity. Yeah, you can't have everything, yes, yeah,
1: absolutely. I would so, much rather be able to do a tap dance and do the creative things than no mental arithmetic yeah. in a second. Yeah. Can you tap dance? <laughs> Are you telling me you can tap dance? I can tap dance, and can I can you? tap dance and play the saxophone. So I went to dancing from very. I, I danced for fourteen years as a child, me and my sister. And um, so ballet, tap, modern, character, loved it, loved it. And I, I still try and go to an adult tap class, obviously pandemic permitting. But there's a lovely dance school near me, so I'll often go down there on a Tuesday night to just groove around in my tap shoes. <laughs>
0: That is really weird when I was a girl back in the day I used to be in Mrs McLean's Merry Mascots right oh, which was this cool little I know it was this kind of dance troupe and we used to do tap and, band, and it wasn't a proper dance troupe and we used to go and do performances at like old people's homes and oh, things like that and I used to do that so I'd like to say I could tap dance can't tap dance but oh god I loved it
1: do you I think Jane, that it's affected your ability with confidence. We were talking about being whether you're introverted or extroverted or ambiverted before we started the recording. Has, do you think that performance has helped you as
0: an introvert I think that performance can help you as an introvert because you reinvent yourself. I yes. think that's what I do. I reinvent myself and I can be whoever I want to be if I'm in front of people. And occasionally if I'll do a speech somewhere, if I do some, like a speaking gig, I'm te- obviously terrified, not obviously, but I'm terrified. Yeah. And I do, I kind of just reinvent myself. So once I start talking, it's like, it's not me. It's a completely different version of me. Yeah,
1: I relate to that. So whenever I'm in a nervous situation, like, but when I used to be an employee, like going into an interview or like doing a talk, I would. I have a memory of Mrs. Gilholm, that was my dance teacher, saying "smile, girls," and like standing up nice and neat. And I just think, right, yes, yeah, smile, girls, and then I go on and do it. But I, I totally relate to what you're saying about feeling like you're a different person. That's interesting. Mm-hmm yeah but these these extracurricular things though this is what's it's cool for kids to do this kind of stuff you know like they say put like a naughty boy in karate and learn the the um mental stuff of what it is to have a martial art like I really do think that that's something it it concerns
0: me that kids have missed out on that Mm, absolutely well my son tonight he's just getting ready to go he's at uni and of course uni's been shut well uni's opened I'm sure the right. listeners don't want to know about my son. The uni's opened, but his course isn't in. It's only going to be online. But he's signed up for a couple of evening things through oh, uni, amazing. and he's going to yeah. one tonight. So, yeah, absolutely. Because learning in school, it's all about relationships, yeah, isn't it? it totally you know, that's is, the most yeah. important thing. So, yeah. No, I that made my
1: first university experience. So I applied my dancing when I after I'd left home and gone to uni the first time and I joined the cheerleading society at uni and th- that made my university experience so yeah it's you you make so it's it's lovely to have different friends who are going through the same learning experience but in a different course
0: mm, like that you would never have
1: met them and sometimes when it goes beautifully those are the relationships that you keep well on in adulthood yeah. after you've graduated
0: yeah. absolutely Oh, that's fantastic. Now, I am going to ask you if it's all right to do a f- couple of sort of quick questions with you. A quick fire round. Oh, <laughs> I should fingers have a buzzer. I know, fingers on buzzers. <laughs> I want to ask you a quick couple of quick questions about photography because sure. I know that for me, I hate having a photograph taken. And I know that I'm not in the slightest bit unusual in that. So, <laughs> But the thing is, I think most people, they say they hate having the photo taken, but when when it happens, it's actually quite nice until you look at them again afterwards and it's like, oh, I I thought... (laughs) If
1: you have a good relationship with your photographer, but I personally blame this mass hatred of having your photograph taken on school photographers from when we were kids. Like, that is an emotionally scarring experience. God, isn't it? And I, you know, then you have the shame... Because your mom wants to put the picture up in the living room for the next year. And you're like, oh, I hate that photo. I think we learn that as kids. And then we take that on. In That's so true. So I so true. All of the true. 80s school photographers for my yeah. things. And I don't like having my picture taken, but I have a lot of little quick tricks and hacks. So give me give me a number, Jane, and I'll try and do that many tricks
0: for Right? Now. Okay.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, okay. So if I was doing a selfie, no, here's, yeah. here's one. So one of the things about counsellors, we use something, uh, we use directories. And there are so many counsellors now that like, there are so many counsellors now to stand out on them is very difficult. And one of the things that's different for everybody is their headshot. Yes. How can you make your headshot stand out when it's a headshot? Okay, Do you have any advice I, yeah. so, on maybe doing even a selfie as a, head, as a headshot? That's interesting. So
1: that's got a few parts to it. The first thing I would say is if you're appearing in a directory, I would liken this to, and bear with me for a minute, listeners, I would liken this to you being a professional model and you're in an agency's directory. Now, if you went to a model agency or a talent agency and you looked at a wall of faces, which is what they used used to have in the old days, or they might have a page of faces now on their website. All of those pictures should be uniform. So traditionally in modeling, you would have a black and white photo and a color photo, and you'd be able to see, how does that face read in black and white? And what are the coloring? What's the coloring of that person? So skin tone, hair color, eye color, their overall hue. Now, if you are appearing in a directory, I'm interested to know. So my question back to you, Jane, would be who's looking at this directory? Is this potential people who are going to book
0: counselling sessions? Yeah, so it's people actively looking for a counsellor.
1: So this is like the yellow pages of counselling? This is the yellow
0: pages of counselling,
1: Okay, well then if that's the case, that dramatically changes things. You want to make sure that you're memorable and you stand out, but you don't want to go into like Timmy Mallet, wacky zany territory. (laughs) So you see this sometimes at big conferences where like someone's dressed in like an awful bright orange tuxedo or something and everyone's like oh have you seen that bloke in the orange tuxedo and the orange the guy in the orange tuxedo feels like yay hey everyone's remembering me they're looking at me and as they walk past but what he forgets is that everyone thinks he looks terrible so i would say we want to try and get you to stand out in this headshot within the rules that the directory creator has given you but we want to do it in an authentic and memorable way. So, the first thing that I would be pushing for strongly is that the counselor is looking directly down the lens. So, don't think that it's a good idea to look away. Given that what you're doing counseling, you want to build trust immediately. And we know when we're with people in a social setting, when it's safe, of course, looking somebody in the eyeballs is a great way to get an instant. Animal reading on whether you think you might be able to trust that person. So I would say you definitely want to be taking the opportunity to look down the lens. The next thing, whether you're doing this as a selfie or working with a professional photographer, is I, I always tell people to have an idea in their mind. So if if we were looking down the lens and I was saying, okay, imagine it, imagine a smoldering fire. And you're imagining a smoldering fire with all of your mind's eye while looking down that lens. And then I ask you to imagine a very cool, calm, like mill pond in a spring-like landscape. And I want you to imagine that with all of your mind's eye vision, those two photographs are going to look very different. Even though the technical thing, you're looking down the lens, it's the same crop, it's the same focus, all that technical stuff. The reading that I'm going to get from it as I engage with that face and specifically looking into your eyes is going to be different and it's going to make me feel different when I look. So I would say, don't look into a lens thinking, oh my God, I hate this moment. Why are you taking my photo? Because that's going to read on the photo. You need to have things like, you can trust me, like what you would say to somebody if you were in a scenario with them, counseling them, like everything's going to be okay. I'm here to listen. Those kinds of messages, say them to yourself in your mind as you look down the lens. And I promise you, you can do this as a quick selfie experiment now, hit pause on the podcast and try it and say like, oh my God, I hate this picture. No, no, no. And then I'm here. I know what I'm doing. I'm I'm here to listen. You will be able to see in your own face objectively how that's different. So that's an important thing that I don't think many other photographers would go into as much detail about. <laughs> but yeah, it needs to be a headshot. So by its definition, you want to probably have a head and shoulders crop. But think about every single piece of, um, information that's going to be in that image so what are you wearing why are you wearing that don't fall down the obvious rabbit hole of well my logo's purple so now I need to wear a purple top maybe that's not the case like what is that color about what does that color have meaning about and what does that do for you in a vanity sense like is that even your color but then also what will the person taking in that image think about that colour? You have to think about it's about them. So then maybe you want to try and think how you differentiate yourself from the other people that your headshot's going to be next to. So who's going to be overleaf, And what makes you a different counsellor from that person who's overleaf who has a similar surname and that's why they're next to you? Think about that and how can you put that into the image? So there might be a little prop that you can involve again without the Timmy Mallet zany factor being a consideration or is it better to have you in a medical setting is it better to have you in an outdoor setting like what accompanies your style as a counsellor and really think about that and that's what a good brand photographer will do by the way they'll help you orchestrate all of these different considerations into the final headshot.
0: Laura that was golden
1: that was golden! (laughs) Why, thank
0: you. Gold. <laughs> I do have my moments, you know. Turns out you do know what you're doing. <laughs> that's, that's golden because that's the trick that you can do. I mean, I've, I've heard something similar about about sexy photos, about what you think in your head as, as you try to take a sexy photo. But that makes such sense, doesn't it? So so when you have any it's photo taken, just be a-
1: it's the magic that isn't in a photograph. So technically speaking, you know, I could I have could bored everyone there about aperture and shutter speed and ISO and focal range and all that mumbo jumbo, but it, it doesn't have the same power. Like when you're in the business of human-to-human connection and you have an important responsibility and a code of ethics, like you say, to uphold, we want to get as much of that into the image but we want to do it in a human to
0: human way. Absolutely. Oh, that really is. That's that's just golden. That's <laughs> just golden. It really is. I'm sure everybody listening is like, I'm definitely going to try that. You, and just, that... you can try it and that's the beauty of having a smartphone, right? You can, you can go to the loo
1: and try that and no one ever needs to say that yeah. in those images. But do it as a little bit of an experiment. And actually, I have a, um, a selfie challenge. I should probably plug that at this point. But part of that challenge, we cover a little bit of the technical stuff. So how you can figure out the right way to get the lighting and how you can figure out how to get the best results from your phone in a DIY way. So if people were in a position where they're thinking, yeah, I could probably bootstrap this or I need to bootstrap this based on what we've already said, I would point them in the direction of my um, five-day love your selfie challenge
0: Yeah, to test that out. I've signed up for that. Oh, that's right, Jane. You said you signed up for that. Totally signed up for that. Yeah, it sounds perfect because we're always looking for new ideas because I think one of the problems is, I mean, very often we don't want to be on camera and yes, we're shy, And what I'm thinking here about like Instagram, where of course so much of it is images and photographs and things like that. I'm always looking for work because I don't really like the thought of constantly having to do like hair and makeup and and mess (laughs) about with, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Have you got any ideas of ways that you can put something that's like your own, like a, a branded type photo that's not actually a full face photo? So have yes. you got any ideas of sorts of things that you could put on Instagram that's not necessarily going to be your face? You know, you don't have to go through a whole wardrobe situation yes. <laughs> to
1: get yourself ready. Yeah. So one of the days of the challenge is actually talking about body parts. So a great way, like this is one of, like if I'm having a bit of a blah day or I don't want to put a whole pin-up look on, which trust me takes a long time, <laughs> I'll do a desk selfie. So it'll be my desk. It's my laptop in my office. No one else can change that. And I'll do a quick, maybe I'll put something on the laptop or I'll have my hands in there holding a mug of coffee. Um, maybe Suki the cat will have jumped on my desk. She invariably likes to sit on the back end of my desk but I'll take a quick photo like that and put it out on Instagram and talk about what I'm doing today. That's sometimes not even including any of my body parts, but it is unique to me. It's way more powerful and it has so much more personal and brand based narration in it than going to say unsplash and go on laptop and say, well, that's a better photo than what I could take. I'll just use that. So trying to be personal with those things. You could, if you were going out for a walk Maybe you're you're a counsellor who does outdoor counselling. You could take a picture of your feet in a puddle or your hiking boots all muddied up um, just by holding your phone down. There's loads of different ways to think about different aspects of body parts. And part of the challenge actually is talking about how you can set your phone up so that you can get your whole body in a shot. So you can step away from the phone and still take the photo without having to think, right, I'm trying to hold a cup of coffee with two hands. How on earth do I take a photo now because I haven't got a third hand? So we go into the technical part of that in a lot more detail. But I've done it before where... I'll just take a picture of like my legs or my feet or like I say, my hands or a certain part of like, maybe like the back of my head um, looking at something to show this is me looking at it. But by the way, I've got no makeup on and yeah. my eye bags are looking terrible. Today. <laughs> and then the other side of it is um using technical tricks. So I use a few apps and they're, they're free apps. I have some where I've paid. So I would say that, visco so that's v-s-c-o that's a really good photo editing app so if you were to take a selfie and you figure out what is the best light for you and you think yeah i'm cool with a natural look or you know maybe you're someone who doesn't wear makeup for instance um you could take that photo and do a little bit of extra editing in the visco app before you post it to instagram so part a big part of that selfie challenge is training you to use just the camera app to take an image instead of opening up Instagram and taking an image on Instagram. That sometimes mm. compromises the overall quality of the photo. So I always coach people into building out like a it's called a photographer's workflow. So your workflow when it comes to selfies would be take the image in the camera app and then edit it either in one or two or three apps and that's how you build out your workflow and then save it all to your photo stream and then upload to a social media platform from there. I do use an app called FaceTune and this is a controversial app. I think it will probably strike a chord with a lot of counsellors because, you know, going back to talking about feminism, like I think that it's potentially quite a dangerous app, particularly for teenage girls who are incredibly addicted to Instagram and thinking that you have to tune your face to be Instagram worthy. I'm using the little bunny quotes. No one can say me. (laughs) Just a little side note. It can be destructive. However, if the difference between you putting a personal image out on Instagram and not doing it because you've just developed a real horrible zit on your chin, I would say use Facetune and rub yeah. that out and get your image out. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a there's a like it's a code of ethics actually. As a photographer, you know, I'm not saying let's give you a nose job and reduce your body size and give you an iris transplant and all of this stuff. That is immoral and too far but if if we if we're talking about you showing up in a regular way and you think that you've just developed a cold source so you can't come out on Instagram all week that's not the case there is facilities out there that you can use yourself yeah I hope that makes sense
0: no it does it makes perfect sense I'm determined to start doing more Facebook uh, stories and stories live you know of me talking but it's always that thing. I mean, I used to have eczema when I was younger. I've talked about this and that really, really bad eczema. I was hospitalized and all the rest of it. Ooh, ouch, and it was really bad. And I think the, the, the outset of that is that I've still got massive problems with my appearance. So if, yeah. if if I can use a filter that helps to even my skin tone out when I'm not feeling brilliant and put something out there, I'd much rather do that than yes. hide you know so we've got things that we can do that take some of the some of the things that we're frightened of that make it easier to do it that's not lots of different ways but when it comes to photographs there's that isn't there absolutely um
1: yeah it is it's a it's an interesting one what i would will say i've noticed this just in the last couple of weeks on instagram when i do instagram stories i will often put a filter on that because I want to, I don't want to put a whole face of makeup on. And what they've got now is the option to increase or decrease the power of that filter. So yeah. it used to be you put a filter on and that was the filter, but you can now pick different, it's like different makeup finishes or different skin tone finishes to, like you say, even out your skin tone, but you can pick the intensity yeah. of that as well. So that's a great little addition if you yeah. were thinking about doing more stories or like you say, going live that's a, a great option i think
0: so a little bit like on zoom where you can enhance your appearance yes. because yes. i sometimes see it makes me just makes me laugh you sometimes see like male politicians and they've obviously turned it right oh. up and they look like cardboard <laughs> it's like no dial it down a bit love look yeah, human you've in
1: the you <laughs> Don't want any plastic fantastic barbie looking people no that's <laughs> that's like I don't know. It, it's freaky to me. Like, I think let's wait until the robots are around and they can have that look. But yeah. we should be flawed, normal looking.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Normal. <laughs> just, yeah. We're just normal people, aren't we? We don't have to Yeah. Your real self. There's nothing yeah. like that. Okay. One last question and then I'm going to let you go and get a cup of tea. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My question is, how would somebody choose the right photographer for them?
1: oh that's a good one this is something that i'm pretty i'm quite passionate about because i know from experience i am not the right photographer for everyone and a lot of photographers can get hung up about this, but you'll know as a counsellor listening to this show, you're not the counsellor for everyone. So it, it's, it works the same way. I have a, um, an episode about this actually, Jane, but I can talk about some of the highlights from that. So one of the things is the way that you procure, and this goes for any creative actually, as a business owner and like the CEO of your organisation, Which is hard to get your mind around as a CEO, as a small business owner. Um, or someone who's just gone freelance, you're like, no, I'm not a CEO, it's too much responsibility. But I like to say you need to procure your creative. So you need to don't just find a photographer that your mate used and think that they're going to be the best photographer for you. And for God's sake, don't go back to your wedding photographer or the person who took the po- pictures of your newborn baby to do your business headshots. because a school photographer. Yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. No, they should be on a hit list. But yeah, don't go back to them because that's not their specialism. They're not going to know how to ask the right questions about your business and your brand. They will probably be happy to help you because you're a loyal client, but you're probably not going to get the best results from them. And they have a certain aesthetic that might be incongruent with the way that you want your business to show up. So it's important to bear that like step one. Step two, I would challenge you to build enough timeline into your photography timeline project for your business or like I say, any other creative thing. It could be for your graphic designer or whatever. You need to build in enough time to really take the time to figure out who was my top three people try and find who are the like, I, I go for top three and then actually have a meeting with three people and ask them the same questions, ask them to see what their response is. And again, you'll get a human to human feeling where you're like, yeah, I feel like this person gets me the most out of these three and don't just go for the same people at the same price. You know, of, of course you want to be within your budget, but try and get different increments within your budget as well and really take your time to figure it out because it is a big decision. And especially like you've said, if you're feeling um like you're lacking in confidence around having your picture taken, or this feels like completely uncharted territory to you. You wanna know that you feel comfortable enough to say to the person that you're paying to get these images, like, I'm sorry, I'm really freaking out right now. Or I have this thing about my left butt cheek. Like, can we make sure that that's not in the picture? You wanna make sure that you feel comfortable enough to voice those concerns. And everyone's different. So who's the right photographer for you is not gonna be the right photographer for your counterpart i think that's a really important thing to remember you know you're in a marketplace and everyone's going to be vying for your attention but it always should ultimately be your decision
0: yeah perfect so narrow it down to three speak to them see who you get the good vibe for and you, you, like you say, it's exactly the same as being a counsellor. You know, yeah. you get the best work if you're with the right counsellor for you. So that's you're going right. to get the best yeah. work from somebody who's the sort of photographer that that can really make you feel comfortable and at, and at ease and yeah. bring you out. You know, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? It's letting you shine, whatever version of, you know, that version of you. Exactly, yeah. Uh, you know, you you can...
1: They should have a, you know, there's there's a lot of checks that I go through in that episode. So I say you need to ask questions about the level of their insurance. You need to ask them about what kind of contractual agreement will be in place. If the photographer doesn't have a contract, don't work with them. And you both need to be protected, even though it feels like a little throwaway thing. Trust me it can open a can of worms. The other thing, of course, is to take a good look at their portfolio and the the area that they shoot in. You might you might think, Yeah, that works well for me. But then when you go and look on their website, maybe all they photograph is counselors and you think, well to hell with that. I don't want to blend in. All of these people's photos look the same. And going back to what we were talking about before with the directory, if you're wanting to be a little bit maverick or rebellious about how you show up as a counsellor, that's probably not the right photographer for you. So while you're doing that research and finding your top three, that's those Those kinds of checks are good checks to put in place to actually get to the correct top three. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, do you know, that's perfect. This has been so good. Laura this has been absolutely fantastic (laughs) you've covered all the you know there's one that there's there's a lot of things about doing a podcast and one of them is you can ask experts in and pick their brain it's fantastic
1: (laughs) get a wealth of advice in I know I love
0: that yeah (laughs) it's been really brilliant it really really has and I'm sure people are going to find this really Really useful, especially the take, you know, for me, what what I'm going to take away is is what you think about when you're having your photograph taken. I think that's going to make a real difference because I think that's the good thing about having a, you can take a picture on your phone. Every photo I put out there, you know, there's 80 other photos that I rejected and that's the beauty of it isn't it
1: yeah it is that mm. is a key thing the the shooting ratio i talk about that a lot so i'll say for every one selfie that you take you should have probably taken at least another 20 and when you're taking those 20 you should move around so right now i'm sitting in my office with a window to my left if i'm doing a selfie and it happens it's fun as well because I'm on a chair that pivots you can have a little giggle about doing this in your own office but you should spin your chair around and get 20 different frames and then go back to the photo stream and say right of those 20 oh actually yeah the light looks much better in that one so I'll do some I'll do five more from that same angle and already you've learned rapidly where is the best place to stand in this
0: room to do a selfie God, that's amazing. Laura, that's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so, so, so much for coming. Obviously, I'm going to put all the links to all of the different things, but I know you've got a couple of things. So you've got the the five-day challenge, haven't that's you? That's
1: great. Right. Yes, the love yourself
0: challenge. And I'm going to be doing that. I'm really looking forward to it. But there's something else, isn't there? You're doing a, a, a sort of special for um, camera shoots, photo shoots. no it's a
1: special but it's a special for my virtual services so it's for my brand strategy stuff so we were talking earlier about all of the stuff that comes so it's instead of putting the cart before the horse that's the common analogy i like to describe so we were saying about the dangers of just going and saying right hi mr photographer or hi mrs photographer i need some headshots and then, or I need some brand photography, their first questions are gonna be like, right, okay, tell me about your business, tell me about who you're speaking to. And if you can't answer those questions succinctly and correctly, the end result of that photo shoot is probably not gonna be as powerful for you as if you had done the work before. So all of that work that comes before that is centered around brand strategy. So this is something that I've honed in on in the last year. So prior to lockdown, I was on a plane regularly flying around the world, taking pictures of different entrepreneurs in really cool places. And I was like, it was a high end service. And I really loved it. But then overnight, that completely changed. I wasn't (laughs) flying anywhere. And I you know, it was a very long time back there last year where it was unsafe for me to even leave the house. Now, Like I said, I have a background in marketing and public relations, and I've gone out and I've studied further on the science around creative direction and brand strategy. So now this is something that I used to always offer as built in as part of my high end brand photography service, but now. I'm in a place where I'm starting to offer this as a standalone thing. So you can come to me and get all of that stuff organized in your business. And then if you want to, we can do brand photos, or I can help you go out and start finding your own creatives or helping you manage those creatives to get the best results. So I've started, I did a very fun promotion where I dressed up like um, Calamity Jane, where I was kind of walking around as a cowgirl saying like, I want you and, I was looking for different people now i'm looking for very specific businesses to help me test this new service and one of the categories jane is private medical services so if you're a counselor you would fit perfectly within this category for brand strategy services and in exchange for being a case study now it's important i think to know especially as we've talked today about codes of ethics it's important to note that when you sign up to be a case study with me, I'm not going to be sharing all of the big secret stuff about your business, but you will be featured on my YouTube show. You will be featured on my website, but it's to an extent that you're comfortable with. But in exchange for that, you're you're going to get a 50% discount on my brand. Wow, that's amazing. But, yeah, it's a huge discount. And it's because it's an area that I want to break into now. Like I said, as a standalone service, so I'm prepared to reduce the price for the pioneering people out there. And we talked a little bit before um, the show recording started, and you said, "Would I open this up specifically to your listeners?" And I'm going to do that. So I have a, a link. We can put. Are we? Go- we're going to put that link in the show notes. Is that right? Yeah, Jane? I'll put that link below. Yeah, the link is and, going to um, be. Yeah, I'm going to have. I'm going to now add a section before this episode goes live where if you have the secret code of GYPP for Grow Your your Private Practice, if you add that into this form, you're going to get a little bit of extra special treatment.
0: Perfect. What a fantastic (laughs) opportunity. What a fantastic opportunity. Thank you, Laura. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed today. It's been great to have a chat. (laughs) Where's the best place to,
1: to sort of link with you? I would say if people are on Instagram, you're probably going to find the real me on a day-to-day basis on Instagram. So like an example of that is yesterday I shared a trip to home bargains for some office <laughs> stationery. Like you're going to get the real yeah. me there. If you're looking to really soak up advice and tips and stuff, I would recommend you check out my YouTube channel, which is Mwah TV. And I put an episode out every single Friday on that on the.
0: Laura, on behalf of myself and everybody that's listening, I want to say a massive thank you. That's been so, so useful. And a big kiss for you.
1: Mwah. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Jane. It's been so nice talking with you.
0: Oh, isn't Laura brilliant? And wasn't that photography advice just really golden? I don't know about you. I've certainly learnt a lot. Now, you can connect with Laura in lots of different ways, and I'll share all of them below this. But you can go and find her on Instagram, which is Laura P. Creative, or on her YouTube channel, which is Moi TV, which is spelled M W A H TV, or on her website, which is laurapairman.com. And like I say, I will share those links below. And if you want to take advantage of her brand strategy sessions, I've included a link below as well. Just use the code GYPP. Oh, and after our chat, we chatted about, and this is good news, fantastic news, she's actually going to come and deliver a guest guest mastermind workshop in the Grow Your Private Practice Club on the 23rd of June, 2021. It's, all good, it's going to be about, well, you know how, I don't know if this happens to you, but if you've ever felt that your social media posts and, are a bit starchy or your blogs are a little bit sort of meh, If you come along you'll find out how you can use your creativity to be a bit more creative and i think that that's going to help lots of us now this is free for grow your private practice members so remember if you're a member it includes all of the training all of the subjects that we have in the in the membership and it also has a ton of support there there really isn't anywhere that you can go that's going to have this sort of support at this price point now, it's £35 a month and that includes everything. And just to let you know that if you're not sure, if you join and it's not for you, as long as you let me know within the first 14 days, I will refund you. You know, it's not my job to, you know, get you to join and keep you there if it's not right. If you, if it's not quite right for you, I'll refund you. Just let me know within 14 days. So that's it for today. I've really enjoyed it and I hope you have too. Just remember to get on the waiting list for the Refresh Five Day Challenge, which is going to help to improve your confidence and have you raring to go, ready for the second half of the year. Just visit janetravis.co.uk uh, forward slash refresh, and I'll share that link below as well. And I'd love to connect with you. So the best places to find me are on Instagram, that's Grow Your Private Practice, all lowercase no spaces, or on LinkedIn, just search for Jane Travis. And come and say hi. Have a fantastic week and I'll look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this, then please subscribe to the show. And while you're there, I'd love it if you could leave me a big, shiny five-star review. Bye.